This is IA Forward, your playbook for success as an independent insurance agent. Here to help you knock it out of the ballpark are your hosts, Shane Tatum and Tanya Lead. Welcome to IA Forward. So let's talk about hiring and how we do that. I think a lot of times when it comes time to hire a new employee at our agency, maybe we've been a solopreneur and we're at that point where we're about to throw ourselves off a cliff or we're starting an agency and we want to start out having help. I think a lot of times we go about doing this maybe in a way that makes it more difficult than it should be. There's a couple of things. Let me preface this with first, Mr. Or Mrs. Agent, know what your need is. Who you are also needs to be determined so that you know which direction to go. But let's just say, for the sake of our conversation, that the majority of us entrepreneurial agents are salespeople. The majority of us are successful because we are salespeople first. We are the rainmakers. And most of the time, we need help. And we need help in different areas and in different parts of our business. And they're usually things that we hate to do. That's That's first and foremost. But that being said, especially in today's job market, I do think that we narrow who we're looking for, experience, non-experience, someone that's licensed, someone that's not licensed. Do we need another sales executive to help us? Do we need an account manager or CSR type person? I mean, we start really getting narrow right off the bat. I did that at one time, and I think I've just kind of landed with that may not work. (laughs) You may have to find the right person, the right culture fit, the right long-term opportunity candidate first, and then figure out how and where you can slot them into the appropriate role. This weekend, my husband and I went to the boat show over in Mobile because, you know, boat is my husband's word for 2023. And I was absolutely... Absolutely fascinated by this. In fact, I really wanted to walk around and take pictures because there were probably, I would say, 20 different insurance booths set up there that had two to three people in their booths. And at every single one of these booths, no one ever looked up. Everyone was on their phone. And truthfully, looking at the entire boat show, I would say 95% of the people that were there in booths and sailing boats were that way. But I was just absolutely fascinated that these are the people that you've sent. You've spent a ton of money. The Mobile Boat Show is huge. And you've spent a ton of money to have your people there. And nobody ever looked up to say, hey, can I help you with something? So obviously they either didn't have salespeople there or they didn't train the people. They didn't have the right people that were there to engage with potential customers. I think we just hire people and we throw them out there. That's a big problem for us in the industry. And I have learned um, over the last seven months in now, just watching internally Tara and our managing director of our retail programs. We've hired a set of sales executives and those sales executives have been put through this onboarding, rigorous, really training, licensing, producer development, marketer development programs, just constant things that went on for like 10 to 12 weeks, like just really happening and really organized. Before they were doing anything else, they had to go through about three months of stuff. We are guilty 
historically of not doing that. And kudos to our people for saying, hey, I don't want to hire new people that were trained necessarily the way we were trained. The way we were trained was, oh, here's the job. Get your license. Good luck. Here's some procedures, maybe. And oh, you can't do it that way. You got to do it this way. And you're sort of this chaotic, all over the place kind of process. And we learned the hard way. And we started a program of hiring sales executives and training them the right way. And I would say whoever has hired those folks to go work those trade shows, were they educated on the process? Do they even know how to work a show? I mean, that is not just throw some people in a booth stuff. I mean, it is boring if you let it be boring or it is exciting if you know what you're doing. I've worked trade shows. I'm the annoying guy that's going to walk out in the aisle and say hello and make a comment or a joke. I'm going to get their attention. Those folks that are working the booth, were they even put through any training or were they just told you got to work a rotation at the boat show this weekend, which is probably what the case was and probably why you got head down staring at your phone the entire time. And this was captive and independent. I mean, this was both. So I don't want to call one out over the other. It was across the gamut. I found it absolutely fascinating. And Daniel's like, you cannot go around taking pictures. And I'm like, no, like this is a thing. <laughs> but but back to hiring. This is bad. Back to hiring. Let's get back to that. And one of the things that I think that we do so differently and that we have helped our agents start to do is hiring a person more than a position. And I think that most agents go into this because they know who they are and they either say, I want to hire somebody who is exactly like me, which is the last thing that you should do. Or they go in and they say, I want to hire somebody who can do all of the things that I don't do well. You kind of have more of a view of I'm going to find the person that fits the culture. I'm going to find the personality. I'm going to find the knowledge and then we'll figure out where they need to go. There's a lot of just failure and trial and error that's kind of led us to this point. Now, we have hired, even recently in the last year, a licensed, experienced account manager that came from another agency. But in this hiring market, especially over the last year or two, it's become more and more difficult to do that. We've been lucky there uh, recently, now that we've had some experiences in the past where we hired someone from another agency with lots of experience. Well, let me tell you the grass isn't always greener is so true in this. You hire someone with experience, with license, with, you know, oh, they already know. They already work in these account, in these companies. They already know the carrier portals. They know our management system. You think you're shortcutting the training and maybe you are, but what you're not understanding is that that person came from an agency that did things completely different than the way you do. Or they are set in their ways and they already have in their mind the right way to do it. And if you have a different way of doing it, then you're wrong. So understand that all this experience sometimes comes with the baggage of that. So you think you're shortcutting training, but the culture's all wrong. So we've been there. We've made that mistake. And then there's the, well, let's hire them from the captive agency and move them into the independent agency. I love that, actually. That's been a really good success for us, but it is a little bit of a learning curve because you've moved from a single carrier to a multi 
multi-carrier environment. We've had more luck with that than we have the moving them from one independent agency over to our independent agency. And then there's the one that everybody seems to shy away from that I am gravitating to. And that is, I want them green. I want them really don't care if they have an insurance background. I want to make sure they're a great culture fit personality wise. I want to make sure they're looking for a place to put some roots down. And then I am going to train them up in our way. All of that seems to be a better approach today than these other options that are out in the marketplace. I think that it is just as important to make sure that that culture, that personality fits when you are coming out of being that solopreneur, when you're hiring that first and second person. Because if something goes wrong in a larger office, then it's not quite as in your face as if you're the only two people there. And if this is your first hire and your second hire and they don't fit culturally with you, they don't fit personality wise, then all of a sudden you're miserable going to the office. It doesn't matter what they know, their license, their this, their that. If you don't like working with them, (laughs) if you can't get along as human beings because you constantly are at friction with each other, then it's a disaster. That's why I lean culture first. We've had situations in our past where I felt a little bit of a red flag, but I went ahead because they were experienced, licensed, and ready to go. None of those situations worked. I am O for life when it comes to that gut feeling of personality clash, culture clash, and deciding to go with the experience or the licensed person over the inexperienced culture fit. Every time I went with the culture fit, most of those individuals are either still here or were here for a long time, a significant period of time, I'd say five plus years, and maybe they went on somewhere else or they moved or whatever happened in life, they had an opportunity. We've had a few of those, but most of that culture fit start with us. Most of those individuals are still here. And that's the testimony that I see. That's what says to me, okay, that works. That's what we should be doing the most. We have a few agents that when it comes time to hire people, they've actually reached out to me and said, hey, Tanya, you know, I've done an initial interview with them. I really like them. These are the things that I'm seeing. Do you mind doing a follow-up interview and give me your thoughts? Because here's the thing. When you're desperate to hire somebody, you're going to overlook red flags without even realizing it because you have this internal desperation. And there are so many times that that second interview with someone else, with a party that is very neutral, you're able to catch some red flags you're able to actually listen to what they're saying and what they're not saying. And I've been able to come back and say, hey, I think this person is going to be a great fit for you. Here are the challenges I think you're going to have or run the other way. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Like absolutely not. We had an agent one time that I I told that to. I said, this is not going to be a good hire for you. I'm telling you, this is this person's not going to fit within your office. You're not going to enjoy working with them. And they hired him anyway. And three months later, he called me and he was like, you are so right. What do I do? And, you know, how do I get rid 
rid of this person without it, you know, becoming a, a, a mass challenge. But ultimately, I think having some kind of outside perspective on the candidate, I think will really help you. I love that. You got to make sure that person understands your culture. Number one, make sure that y'all are aligned. Hopefully that's the person that you ask for help with. We use a company called Zero Risk HR to run our candidates through a testing process. To me, the questions are not over the top there. It's very insightful and they actually give you interview questions as a guide process. So if you start your candidate pre-interview, they'll actually give you interviewing questions based on the personality traits in the background. I've gone against the zero risk profile a couple of times successfully because I had a really strong gut and I knew the candidate for a long period of time. That's something that I don't recommend. I don't recommend going against those profiles too many times, but I also don't recommend going against your gut. So when you have a really strong gut feeling, that's important to go with as well. My gut has always been right. The other thing to your point is when you're desperate to hire somebody, it's kind of like going to the grocery store hungry, getting that second opinion, having that outside person give their opinion or some mechanism that can guide you there will keep you from grabbing all the food off the shelf at the grocery store because you went to the grocery store hungry. What do you look for most when hiring? I'm a little bit old school here. I look for little traits. The things that seem to be important generally come out in a person. This is one of those secret sauces that I don't know that I want to say out loud, but in today's world, people are applying for a job. They want to know what they're going to get paid. I get it. But one of the things that has always served me well is when someone came for an interview and never asked about pay, they just wanted to know about our company. They wanted to know about our person, our values individually, who we were. They wanted to learn about us. And they were kind of up for the challenge of whatever gets thrown at them, that became this sort of problem solver mindset that I think that we look for. And I know I can get bashed on this. Well, wait a minute. What do you mean, what do you, mean you don't discuss pay? We discuss pay in the offer, but we don't discuss pay in the interview. And when someone brings that up, to me, it's kind of like the customer that you're basically just giving a quote to on price. Like, okay, it just feels wrong to me. I know I was raised in a different generation and I, maybe that's the Gen Xer in me coming out. But that's one of those things that I look for is I look for little turnoff negatives that tells me right away they're not going to be great culture fits for us. And that's hard in a me, me, me society. And when the rest of the world is Saying, come work here and make six figures and come work here and do this. And because the Indeed and Monster and all those places have all these insurance sales executive, 40,000 to 120 plus. Well, it's so freaking misleading. <laughs> it's so dumb. So if I have a candidate that comes in the door and they're fixated on that, well, then I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to overcome that. But you got to pay competitively at the same time. Let's not miss that. Like, I get that. But I think that that's something that I tend to watch out for. I went down a rabbit hole this weekend and 
somehow got roped into reading an article of the top 10 best places to be an independent insurance agent. And it was one of these things you had to click through. And Texas was in the top 10. It was number three of places financially that you are successful as an independent insurance agent. But what I found fascinating about this article was number two was Florida. Now, if you're looking at you know best places, because these were best places to be an, an independent insurance agent in 2023, I don't know if Florida is where I would want to be. The Florida insurance market is on its head, but as an independent agency, being in a disrupted market does have its benefits. It can be something. Now, finding the markets, having the markets to place business in, premiums are through the roof. I kind of get it, right? I mean, you're going to pull your hair out. You're going to be stressed a little bit, but you're going to be writing some pretty good accounts. You're going to have total disruption. When there's disrupted marketplace, you've got plenty of opportunities running at you. Everybody's looking for help. And so as an independent, not an exclusive, as an independent, at least you have that choice. At least you have the ability to go out and secure some additional markets, whatever those markets might look like, and actually serve a consumer base. I found it really interesting talking about the Mobile Boat Show this weekend and talking to dealers, they were saying that you need to make sure that when you're making offers on boats in the state of Florida right now, that you have to have them add the language where you normally say, you know, this offer is contingent based on your survey and based on deliverability and blah, 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 that they're actually advising you to add the language of your offer of if you can get insurance on the boat. I mean, when you have dealers that are saying this, that's scary. That's pretty scary. Now, that's that's a scary marketplace. And and look, I'm not a Florida insurance expert. I don't know the market, just what I see on LinkedIn or read different articles. I know it's a trying, trying time there, as well as California. Florida has just got a total, just crazy litigation environment, total price market access, capacity environment. The reinsurance marketplace is crazy right now. We're seeing some things happen in the reinsurance marketplace that's just I haven't seen. And I'm 27 years in and I have not seen a reinsurance market look like what we have right now. So I think there's a lot of things there. I do want to add this on what do I look for? Team player being a part of an organization and seeing that this person can have healthy debate behind closed doors and walk out of that door as if the decision made was the decision that they were capable of making. I mean, that is ultimate independent agency environment to me. You have to have this both healthy debate, but also everybody pushing the same direction when the decision is made. And your decision may not get made, but if you are part of that organization, if you are all in, and this is kind of back to the culture fit, then you've got to be able to get on board. Finding those individuals that are like, all in organization first is harder and harder in today's me, me, me marketplace. It just is. And that's one of the things that you've been masterful about doing is putting together a strategic team that I think cares more about protecting the brand than you do. I get told that sometimes that might hurt our brand. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do this. Uh, and they literally like I've, you've, you're right. Maybe everyone on our leadership team, for that matter, at some point or another has cautioned me with, hey, I think that hurts our brand. Sometimes I was right. 
and we did it anyway. And sometimes I made a decision and I was wrong and we had to backtrack on that or we had to change and go directions. But it is wonderful to be surrounded by people who almost care more about your company than you do. Where do you think are the best places to hire from? Asking for referrals from people you know, from your existing staff, if you already have employees. I know that our solopreneurs won't have that option. But even if you just have one employee, hey, do you know anyone? I mean, we've almost exclusively gone that route at this point. People do not want to work with a problem child. So if you have employees, you leverage that. Outside of that, I think it's friends, family. Do you know anybody? I'm just a big advocate of that. I'm not huge on ads or the job hunting websites. Um, I think it just requires you to do so much more investigative work on who this person really is because there's a lot of really good interviewers out there that are really terrible candidates for coming to work for you. There's professional job hoppers, resumes. If you do have to go that route because you're in a metro area and you don't have that luxury yet, check your references. Call those references. Don't skip that process. Don't ask me how I know this. You kind of know, right, when you call that reference. Even if it's, are they eligible for a rehire? Well, that's going to tell you right away. They're going to say yes or no. And you're going to know how they respond. You know, do they hesitate? I mean, there's things that you can pick up on based on who they put down. I always like to give people an opportunity to respond to that as well. Because sometimes people can make mistakes. Sometimes people can end up leaving a job and maybe it wasn't under the best circumstances. So to me, it's not always a final if I don't get the most positive thing on the planet from a reference check, but I do know what kind of attitude they're going to have on how they respond to that. I agree. I think it depends on what's their experience. I mean, if they're 21 years old and they've had four different jobs in three years since they graduated high school, I mean, they're 21, right? I mean, you can't expect them to have this long career, but if you get someone that's had 15 year career and they've been at 12 different places and nowhere for more than 15 months at a time, something's not right. One of the phrases that I hear some agents use, and I know the hire is a mistake when they say, well, this is so-and-so's kid and I don't have to pay him a lot. And they know a lot about social media and I just, I want to give them a chance. Probably not going to work. That just starts out wrong. I don't have to pay them very much. Man, you get what you pay for. This is just one of those things, again, that I've learned through experience and through life is you do get what you pay for in so many different areas. For me, it just doesn't feel good to go at it with this approach of we don't have to pay them very much. What does that say about any longevity potential? Hire a virtual assistant. If that's how you feel, hire a virtual assistant. But if you're going to hire someone to come into your office or work with you domestically, licensed personnel, then that's their livelihood. Who we are as an industry and agency owners needs to come out there. And and we need to think about these people as our extended family. That's the way I think about it. And maybe that's too unique. Maybe people don't think like that, but I just feel like that's extremely important. We're hiring a high school graduate at the end of May, 1st of June. We don't have a specific position 
ready for them. Something that we've been talking about doing for several years and we're finally going to be there and going to be able to do it. And we're going to hire them with this intent of come learn the insurance trade from us. We're going to get them licensed. We're going to teach them. And hopefully we're going to put them into an insurance career. And these are individuals that have decided, you know what? I don't think college is for me. I'm looking for a trade. They're pretty good students in high school and we're going to narrow those candidates down and kind of make it a really exciting thing to win this job, so to speak. And we hope to eventually be able to hire more than one of them at a time, but we're going to start with hiring one. And here's the thing. We're not paying them minimum wage when they start. We're paying them a really nice wage and we're going to show them that insurance is a trade and you can have a really good career uh, because we have several examples within our organization, leadership team, as a matter of fact, who actually started their insurance career a year or two out of high school because they really got into college and weren't sure this is what they wanted to do. And then, you know, insurance, it's the black hole, right? Once you're in, you're kind of stuck. They got licensed and they've just stayed. They just stayed in the industry. We were fortunate enough to keep them. Now they're on our leadership team and they make a really good living and they are 25 year veterans of the industry today. And so we want to emulate that by seeing if we can replicate the process and do it intentionally. That starts out 100% about culture fit because we could send this person through a year of licensing, insurance trade, training, and lose them to a carrier or lose them to another agency. And my dad had a saying way back that I've held on to. You can hire people and not train them and they stay, or you can hire people, train them, and they leave. Which is better? An untrained, bad culture fit that stays in your agency and disrupts your culture or disrupts your function? Or this person that you train and you really put through this awesome experience and then they decide, you know what, I've got a better opportunity somewhere else. That's a risk. That might happen. I would rather train that person and risk them leaving than not train that person, not hire the right person and risk that they stay. I hear that a lot from agents as well. What if I hire this person, get them licensed, spend all this money, and then they leave me and go to another agent? What happened? Why did they leave? You need to look at yourself. Like that's the first question you need to ask is why did they leave? Why wasn't working for me the place they wanted to be? And I think there's just been this realization over time that if you start with yourself, what maybe you're the problem. Maybe we need to fix who we are. And I think that was us like six, eight, 10 years ago. And I hope that we've fixed ourselves and now we're a place where people want to come and work. I'm going to leave us today with this quote from Simone Biles. I'd rather regret the risks that didn't work out than the chances I didn't take at all. Attitude to choice. Make a great one. Bye y'all. Ready to get the ball rolling with your independent agency? Learn more at IntegraAgent.com. That's IntegraAgent.com. Thank you for joining us on IA Forward. Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now or learn more at iaforward.com.